it up for the band this morning. Loving Jesus up here. Come on. Holy Ghost aerobics in the morning. I just met somebody at first service, and they're like, I love this church. The worship is exciting. You know, I mean, running around, I mean, you just got to love what Metro Praise does. It's like, do we live up to our name? Look at your neighbor and say, Metro Praise, we're praising his name. Can we say it like we actually love Jesus here? Metro Praise, we're praising his name. Thank you. We're doing a series this month on overcoming the storms of life. Probably one of the most powerful series I've ever been a part of personally. And you might say, well, Pastor, you preach them. But listen, preparing these messages, God has rocked me. I mean, just this week preparing today's message, I was weeping at my computer feeling the love of God. And I want you to take this time with me in August to invite your friends and family to this service. Let's fill up these empty chairs and let's get out there and ask people to come. We already spoke about broken relationships. If you missed it and you have a broken heart or have suffered a broken heart, watch it and listen to it online. Today is going to be on life letdowns. Next week is going to be on past failures. So if you know anybody that's struggling maybe with bad decisions, things that they've suffered in life, ask them to come. Let's pray and believe that they can come and get out of their past. And then secret sins, people that have hidden addictions or things that they do that keep setting them back in life. Let's believe, God, that that week we can see them set free. Can you say amen? Amen. I want to believe God to overcome storms of life. Today's message is life's let's downs. Let's turn to Acts 27, please. And I want to share with you the storm that Paul faced. Last week over broken relationships, we learned about Peter's storm and how when he got scared, he began to sink, but Jesus picked him up and carried him on. Today, we're going to learn about Paul's storms in Acts 27. If you're there, can you say, I'm there? Amen. Let's go ahead and start reading. It's the entire chapter, so I can't read it all, but you'll see how I paraphrase it, and you'll get the idea. Verse 7, we made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off of Sinaitis. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite of Salome. So what's going on here is Paul is arrested, he is in jail, and now they are taking him to Rome, okay? And as they're taking them, they're taking him by the way of ships. And here he is in this first ship, and it begins to have storms, and they have to get off track, and they have to now begin to port because they cannot sail in this type of weather. Now, verse 9, much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous. Everybody say dangerous. Thank you, because by now it was after the fast. The fast is the Jewish fast of Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. Can everybody say disastrous? Thank you, and bring great loss. Somebody say great loss. Come on, bring great loss to the ship and cargo and even to our own lives. So here Paul is saying, guys, uh, I think this is a sign we should stop sailing right now. The winds have been very hazardous, and if we keep on going, it may cost us our own lives. It will be dangerous, and we'll suffer loss. But do they listen to him? Of course not. They don't listen to the man of God, verse 11. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, he's followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Be careful to listen to your pastor. Come on, somebody say amen. Oh, that was a weak amen. Amen. Listen to your pastor. He may have a word from God. Verse 13, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought that they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed up anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. 
before very long, a wind of hurricane force. Everybody say hurricane force. Thank you. Began to blow. And it says it swept them down the island, and it was called the Northeaster. Now, I lived in uh, New Orleans seven and a half years. I was there for Hurricane George, which was predicted to do the same thing as Katrina. Last minute, it veered off. And these ray bands, uh, these bands that come around it and bring the rain and destruction was just, I mean, horrendous. And we didn't even get hit by it. Could you imagine being out on a boat? So Paul says, we shouldn't be sailing. Things are going bad. They don't listen. And they see a little gentle wind, and they kind of might have mocked Paul and go, hey, Paul, see, you were wrong. We got a gentle wind. Let's go now. And they went and got in the boat, and here they're now caught in a hurricane. Look at verse 18. We took such a violent battering. Everybody say violent battering. Come on, there's a point to all of this. Say it again, violent battering. Thank you. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. So now exactly what Paul said would happen is now beginning to happen. So they're throwing it overboard. They're getting drug along on the ship, uh, down the, uh, the seaside rather, in verse 19. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And now look how bad it gets. Verse 20. See what it says. It says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. See, I could just talk on this message right now on how when we don't listen to the things of God, we can find ourselves in predicaments that we should never have been in. And then in that place, instead of turning to God, we give up hope. And that's exactly what happened. Paul said, don't go down this way, but they chose to go down that way. The storm has gotten so bad they can't even see the night sky or the sun in the day, and now they have given up hope. But somebody say, thank God for the man of God. Okay, come on, somebody. Now it says, after the men had gone a long time without food because they're so scared they're not eating, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete, then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Everybody say, damage and loss. Thank you. They would have been spared from that. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Can somebody say, destroyed? Thank you. Now keep going. Verse 23. He said, Last night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I've served, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid. Paul, you must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage. Can you all say, keep up your courage? Thank you, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. So now Paul is saying, an angel appeared to me. He said it's going to be all right, but you need to follow my advice. And now we go to the final part of this passage. Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, they cannot be saved. So they're getting so scared now, they're going to let down the lifeboat, abandon the ship. And Paul says, if you do that, you're going to die. Now verse 40, cutting loose the anchors. So they just get rid of the anchors. They left them in the sea, and at the same time, time untied the ropes that held the rudder. So they're getting away their, what steers the boat, letting go of the anchor. They hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. 
the bow stuck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces. Can somebody say broken to pieces? Thank you, by the pounding of the surf. So here they're, uh, you know, getting rid of the anchor, getting rid of the rudder, the thing that makes the boat go, and now they're just being tossed by the waves. They put up the sail, and the wind is forcing them to go right into the rocks, and right as they're going into the rocks, they hit a reef, and it begins to break apart the boat, and it breaks it into pieces, as it says. Now, verse 43, but the centurion ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first, get to land, the rest who were to get on planks or pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. Can somebody say amen? Now, why did I take this time to read this story? And I actually paraphrase it because it's all 40-plus verses in chapter 27. Because what the Bible is teaching us is that you will go through storms, and they can be sometimes hideous, terrible, and break your life into pieces. All of those descriptions you were hearing about Paul and his storms, you may face in your life. I believe the reason why God allowed chapter 27 to be in the Bible was to show us that storms of life come and sometimes the miracle isn't God getting us out of the storm, it's him actually bringing us through the storm. I mean, could you imagine have been been Paul? Paul is saying, guys, I don't even deserve this. I'm the one that told you not to do this. You should have listened. And yet Paul himself had to go through this hideous storm. What are some things that we can learn from this lesson of the storm that Paul went through in his shipwreck? Well, if you haven't learned it in life already, hopefully this story helped you. Number one, life isn't fair. Can we say that again? One, two, three. Life isn't fair fair. See, if you think when you walk through these doors, now you have entered a magical kingdom where you sing in the rain, skip down the rose-petaled garden, and you have a yellow brick road to heaven, you have been deceived. I want to tell you, when you accepted Christ into your life, the principles of this life did not change. Life still isn't fair. Even for Christians, it's not fair. Even for children, it's not fair. It doesn't matter who you are, how good you can be. Paul was the best possible Christian he could have been. He wrote three-fourths of the New Testament, but he still had to go through something that was unfair. My friends, it's a Bible principle. Life isn't fair. So many times people blame the Bible or God for life being unfair, but they don't understand the story. You see, God first created us in the garden perfect in his image, so we had a perfect nature. Couldn't blame anything on ourselves, and there was no past, so there was nothing to blame it on. Then he created a perfect garden, so you couldn't blame it on your neighborhood or the family you came from. And then he created a perfect relationship between him and man. Man said, I can see God, walk with God, so there was no excuse to say, well, I don't know where God is. I don't hear his voice. So here was man in the Garden of Eden, perfect in his nature, perfect in the garden, perfect in a relationship with God. But what did he have? He had a choice, free will. And when man chose to follow Satan, Satan became the boss of this world, lowercase g, as it's called, God of this age. And until we come to Christ and apply the redemption of the blood of Jesus, we are still under the power of Satan. And even the Bible says right now, until he comes back the second time, there are still some things waiting to be handled by Jesus, meaning there's still a devil loose. 
and he will not put him into the hell until after he comes back. So we're still dealing with that. There is still sickness upon the earth. There is still sin, and there is still sorrow. Jesus says all of this will still be here until his second coming. So my friends, when you see that life isn't fair, don't blame it on God. Blame it on the devil from whence it came. But look to God for hope to change it. The second thing that you learn from the the story here is that bad things happen to good people. I'm sorry to say, but I've seen so many in this church and even previously in New Orleans that are superstitious Christians, meaning they think when something good happens that they must be doing good in life and this must be God's mark of blessing. And then when bad things happen, this must be God's way of punishing them. Well, according to that thinking, Bill Gates is blessed. God must really love Bill Gates, right? He has a lot of money. He has a great job, right? Everybody likes him. He's very smart. He has an education. He has children. Well, according to that standard, he must be blessed. And most of us here who have hardly anything compared to him would be cursed. Those who have lost a job in the economy, you must be cursed. God doesn't like you very much. Steve Jobs, who just like I said in the news, outdid the oil companies this must, this, this week, must be blessed and we must be cursed. Is that true? No, what we learn in the Bible is that bad things happen to good people. Was Paul a good person? Did he deserve to go and be a part of a shipwreck? I mean, could you imagine what Paul could have said to God that day? I mean, come on, God. I'm already arrested, I'm already a prisoner, and now the ship that I'm on is going through a hurricane, and I told them what you said, and they didn't listen to me. God, I don't deserve this. I mean, couldn't have uh, Paul had a pity patty party? But you see, the principle, once again, of the Bible isn't welcome to Christianity and welcome to your perfect life. The principle of Christianity is bad things do happen to good people. Look at our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was perfect. You can't get any more Christian than Christ, and yet they crucified him. The third thing that we learn is that there are times in life you can lose everything. I'm sorry, my friends, but there are preachers that have been telling you lies. They have made Christianity be like who wants to be a millionaire. All you have to do is come to the front, and now, poof, your life has changed, and you'll have everything you want. You'll never lose your job. You'll never lose your children. You'll never lose your family. As a matter of fact, you'll be in a little Christian bubble the rest of your life. And then the moment that falls apart, who are they first to get angry at? The preacher. And that's why so many people don't come to church today, because as they've gone through hard times, they point the finger back to God, and they say, hold on, somebody told me, God, that this wasn't supposed to happen. You know, the father who's standing over the casket of losing a child through a miscarriage or through a a sickness to cancer looks at the casket and says, God, you should have stopped this. God, God, you promised this would never happen. You can't be real. I remember watching my mother bury my sister, her daughter. I mean, my mother is weeping. I went, we went to the car that had wrapped itself around a tree and split in two. And I remember my mother grabbing a hold of the, 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 the air freshener and the, the little trinkets that my sister had in the car. And she's just saying, why? Why? And we get to this point in life that sometimes we can lose everything. I'm reminded of the story with D.L. Moody and a great friend that helped him in business by supplying the finances so they could reach the people of the, the lakefront out here in Chicago. They worked together very hard, and then they said, let's take a break. Let's go to Europe. 
And D.O. Moody had to stay back, so the man stayed with him, and he sent his family on ahead. And then that ship, it crashed. His wife and all of his children died. He then said, well, D.L. Moody, will you sail with me so that we can give them a proper burial? And as they were traveling there across the Atlantic Ocean, they said this is probably where the ship sank. He wrote the famous hymn that we sing in churches today, It is well with my soul. This man saw the utmost destruction a person could ever imagine. His wife and children dying. He's lost it all. He could ask God and say, why, why, why? But at that time, he knew that even though he loses everything, he still has God. And like David said, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. We see in this story that you can lose everything but you can still hold on to God. Number four, God's miracle, and you have it on your notes. Look at it. God's miracle is not always keeping you from the storm, but sometimes the miracle is God bringing you through the storm. I know that so many of you, you want the explanation, and we talked about this last week, but I'll remind you every week, so many of you want the explanation, like, God, if you're real, you have to explain to me how this happened. Explain to me, why am I facing this trouble? And the example that I love to give is that man that we saw last week. He hit the jump going about 40 miles an hour on his motorcycle, hit it head up in uh, about 100 feet up in the air, and then he crashed and broke 11 bones in his body. All of his bones from his waist down were broken. He himself said as he was flipping on top of himself, it was like spaghetti watching his legs. And what did he cry out? Somebody fix me. And so what would it have been like that day if a smart aleck would have came up and said, ho, ho, hold on, before we fix him and give him the pain medication, let's explain to him what happened. Well, you see, friend, when you were coming down with that inertia of 2,000 pounds of force, it broke your femur bones, it twisted out through your flesh, causing your nerve endings to go wild and crazy. Then because of the force continuing down, it snapped and broke apart all of your bones and your feet. Do you feel better? The man would have looked at him and said, of course I don't feel better. You see, sometimes we think in life, if God will just explain to us why bad things happen, then we'll feel better. Let me tell you, no explanation in this world will ever make you feel better about the storms you're going through. This is what you need in the storms. You need Jesus, the great physician, the healer of the brokenhearted. It is only Jesus that can bring you peace. Not some explanation of why bad things happen. So what do we learn from Paul's shipwreck? Life isn't fair. Bad things happen to good people. And there are times in life you can lose everything. And yet God's miracle is not always keeping you from the storm, but sometimes the miracle is God bringing you through the storm. Now what are some storms today you may be facing? And let me just share this. If you haven't faced a storm yet, God bless you. Stick around for a while. One's coming. You may be feeling that gentle wind right now. You might think it's okay, but I'm telling you, by this time next week, you may be in a hurricane. And I'm not trying to speak negative to your life. I pray against those things. But I'm here today to tell you that no one can say that they'll never face a storm in life. One of the storms that we see, obviously, today in life is over money, let down by money. And, and this would be, you know, for the spiritual person today, oh, pastor, I mean, come on. I mean, I know not to love money. I'm okay with it. I, you know, I'm okay. Let's keep it real. Let's talk for a minute, sir. How have you felt without having a job for two or three months? Ma'am, how do you like going and getting food stamps? My other sister has worked her whole life and has been on food stamps the last year because of this economy. It can get to you on the inside. 
I remember when I had to resign my youth pastor job and before we started this church six years ago, those three months I looked for part-time jobs and work. And just for three months, being a good man, wanting to provide for my children, not being able to bring home the money, and my wife being the only one to provide, smashed my pride, my ego into almost dust. And so many of you can relate to this if you want to be honest today. That when we don't have the things that we want or that job, and I'm not even saying it's a bad thing. We are meant to work. We are meant to be prosperous. We're meant to enjoy things. And sometimes we get so let down and we say, God, why? This jerk on my job cusses, looks at pornography. Why did he get the raise? God, this company is wicked. Why are they growing? God, why, why, did, why, why did this person outsell me this month? Why are they getting the promotion? And we can feel that way. Here's another time that we can feel this. You've seen this man on, you know, dirty jobs. There are times in our life where we can wake up and say, I don't like this job. I don't like what I have to do anymore. I mean, of course, we live in America. We can change occupations. But sometimes people feel stuck. Now, of course, if you have the right heart, you can love any type of job. And I'm reminded of the man who went to, you know, it's called Undercover Boss. I don't know if you've seen that show. But he owns the waste management company that, that does the porta potties He owns it, and he was undercover. And the man that actually had to come in with the hose and suck out the waste of the porta potties enjoyed his job so much that it inspired the boss to give him a raise and help motivate other workers. But yet, you may have the greatest job in the world and still not feel content. I've seen some of the people with the greatest of education live in the nicest of homes, still not be content. And, of course, I've seen people frustrated because of lack of opportunity. They get let down in life. Another type of letdown you can experience is by people, like we talked about last week. And you can begin to get this understanding. I mean, it's not fair. You know, why wasn't my dad there? I should have had a dad. You know? I was let down by my father. I was hurt by my parents. I hear this from children who have been from broken homes, either through a, a, a divorce, abuse, and they say, why? I've lost everything. I have nothing because of what my family has done. And then I talk to parents whose children have turned away, gone on drugs, have disappointed them, and they say, why would my child do this to me? Why would they be so rebellious? Why would they act like this? Why would they live like this? Sometimes the people who are closest to us, who are supposed to heal us, are the ones that hurt us the deepest, and we feel let down in life. We feel like we've lost everything. Even in marriage, you know, I've sat down with people, and the wife with tears streaming down her eyes, what did I do to deserve this man to cheat on me? What did I ever do to him? Why would he do this to me? And I've even seen this affect people in friendships. You know, why would my friend lie about me? Why would they gossip? Why would they cheat on me and steal? I've watched best friends go into business and for them to leave as the worst of enemies. Why? We begin to question things like that. And then, of course, the biggest letdown is when we lose people. You think about that grave and when you're at that funeral site, and of course I as the pastor, I have to be there as the strong one. But as I stand there and I hear these cries at the end, and most of the time it doesn't happen when everybody's there. It's normally after everybody has left and now the casket is just going down. And I remember watching a young lady who was burying her father. And she was walking over with her roses. Everybody had dispersed. And she comes over and just says, Dad, I, I wanted you to be at my wedding hope you see it from heaven. 
How many broken dreams end up in that casket? How many failed expectations and hope? I mean, really, we say these things at funerals and we don't think much about it. Even for the elderly, well, it was it was a good time for her to go. I mean, real, are we ever at a good place to let people go? Do we ever take that all right? Or is there always just a sense on the inside we're just let down? If I just had one more Christmas with Grandma, if I could just have one more walk on the beach with my family, if I could have held my daughter one more time, I'm so let down that they've left and that they've died. And, of course, there are just things in our own personal life I like to call let down by our dreams. We make these promises to our wives and to our children. We'll have a great life. We'll do this for you. And years go by, and without accomplishing very much, we get so embarrassed around our friends. We don't want to talk about our life, our family, our kids. We just want to bury our head into the sand. I hope I've got your attention today. Maybe I've gotten you to crack off the mask a little bit. You see, we all face life's letdowns. And sometimes we realize life isn't fair, that bad things happen to good people, that we can lose everything. And God is saying, my miracle is not getting you out of this. My miracle is bringing you through this. And though everything breaks to pieces around you, I'm going to give you something to hold on to. I want you to watch this video today. It's a touching video that shares about somebody's letdown in life and how they chose even through their letdowns to still do something awesome.
Amen. Let's bless the Lord for that. Amen. You know, when I see this story of this father and what he does with his son, I can't help but being reminded of what God says to us. You're never alone. You're not running through life alone. You know, you lose hope, and everything on the inside of you says, I can't make it. There's no way I'm making it through this. And then like this father, he says, but I'll carry you. I'll carry you. And I watch this father take his son places he could never go. And I see those things that are impossible become possible. How much more so is God looking at us going, my biggest miracle isn't going to be to get you out of this storm. My biggest miracle is going to be to carry you through this storm. There are things in your life today that you cannot change. And there are things in God that he may not change. So here are four things I want you to do to overcome your letdowns in life. The first thing is Psalm 73. Turn there with me, please. Do not blame yourself. They say children who have come out of abusive families tend to always think, if I would have cleaned my room better, if I would have been a little bit better, mom and dad wouldn't have had a divorce. And how much more is this like it in our everyday life? Well, maybe if I wouldn't have got on that ship or maybe if I wouldn't have done this. Listen to me, my friends. Bad things happen to good people. Do not blame yourself. Next week, we'll talk about our failures, our mistakes. Yes, there are things we got to own up to. There are things that we do, and there's a price and a consequence. But I'm not talking about this today. I'm talking about like when I was a pastor, when I was given it all I had, and after four and a half years, I had to merge my church to another ministry because we could not pay our bills. My friends, I did everything I could, but I was let down. God had to tell me, it's not your fault. If you've been abused as a child, come from a divorced family, listen to me today, it's not your fault. If somebody cheated on you, if you've been let down by your friends, it's not your fault. Look at Psalm 73, towards the end, after David is kind of comparing himself to the wicked, he's saying, look, I live for you, God, and nothing good happens, but these people, they don't live for you, and they have a lot of good things in their life. It says in verse 23 that he comes to a realization. He said, but yet I'm always with you, and you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you will take me into glory. You see, David begins to understand, even if this world is terrible and I suffer, God makes it better in heaven. I believe in a literal heaven, people, and I believe in a place where God makes all the wrongs right. And David says, I'm starting to get the perspective. And then verse 25, he said, Who have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire but you? Now listen to verse 26. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 
Have you ever faced a situation in life where it just feels like life just punched you in the gut? You've lost all your wind. You can't catch your breath. You've been knocked down and you can't get back up. Don't blame yourself. Trust in God. And even when you're saying, my flesh is failing, my heart is failing, trust in God. He will be your strength forever. The second thing that we need to learn in these times is trust God personally is with you. Turn to me to, turn with me to this famous passage that we love here Matthew chapter 28 and see that God is always with you. Once again some might say, "Well, if God was with me, why did he allow these things?" Once again, if he told you why he allowed these things, would that make it any better? No, and I promise you in heaven, he will explain it to you in a way that makes sense. But here on this earth, the one thing that we need beyond explanations for our pain is we need the pain to go away. We need a healer. And look what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 20. He said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Is he with us on good days, my friends? When we have paydays and we're sitting at the lake or we're on a family vacation or the honeymoon or the day that we first fall in love, is Jesus with us on those days? But is Jesus also with us on the days that we lose our loved ones, on the days that we lose our job, on the days that people hurt us and let us down? Is that same Jesus with us? Yes, he is. He never changes. He never changes, my friends. Storms may come and go, but God always remains. The next thing that we must never forget is never let go of God's word. Turn with me to Psalm 61. I like to look at that as God's word being the planks that these men held on to as they lost all hope. And everything fell apart in their life. They only had just something small to hold on to. And that was that little piece of plank. But I don't believe it was the plank that brought them safely. I believe it was the word of the Lord that Paul had said to them, if you stick with me, God will keep you safe. I believe it was that word that kept them. And I believe in times of greatest pain, we question God's word the most. God, if you really are with me, why would I be feeling this? And God, if there's really a heaven, why do I see so much hell on this earth? And God, if, if you're real, why do these things happen? But look at Psalm 61. If you'll trust in him, look what it says. Verse 1, David crying out. He says, hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. Is it okay to cry to God? Is it okay to say to God with tears, God, I'm hurt. God, I'm let down. God, I don't understand. Is it okay to cry to God? Yes, David did. Look at verse 2. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Have you ever been in that place where everything around you is falling apart? And even just crying out to God takes everything that you have. And you can relate to David. David's cry at that time was, God, 
Everything around me is falling apart. I have lost everything. My heart is fainting within me. But I cry out to you, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Lead me, God, to yourself and your strength, which is bigger than the circumstances I'm facing. Lead me to the supernatural ability that you possess. Verse 3, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the flow. How do you know you've come to these places in life? Because there was no other place to go but God. And David understood those times. And then lastly, make lemonade. Somebody put a smile on their face and say, make lemonade. I mean, you know the saying, if life hands you lemons, do what? Make lemonade. And I know it seems trivial, but isn't it true? Isn't it true that you have to believe in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your pain, that somehow something good will come out of this? You might say, well, pastor, I choose not to believe that. I'm going to be an atheist because God doesn't help us, and I see too much suffering in the world. Men like Bart Ehrman have turned against God because of arguments like this. Well, okay, let's look at it from that point of view, Mr. Smarty Pants. Okay, there isn't a God. You just experience all of this random pain on this earth. You then will die, become nothing. Evolution will carry on without you for billions of years in a galaxy with billions of stars. And after a while, it will turn to dust, implode, and start all over again. How does that make you feel? You see, God is the only answer to our pain, my friend. Running away from God and just saying, I choose not to believe in him. is like a man standing on top of a building saying, I choose not to believe in gravity. My friend, it still exists whether you believe it or not. And God still exists whether you believe it or not. And whether or not he fits all into your categorical arguments and to the things you place in your mind. I still believe what Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, turn there with me. I believe that through the midst of our greatest trials, even losing everything that God can do something good if you've remembered anything that I'm sharing with you today remember this last verse in verse 28 it is the joy for me to share it with you today it says and we know we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose say it with me God works for good come on say it again God works for good I mean, this is such a confirmation of even what my wife and I were watching. We watched the movie The Soul Surfer this weekend for our date night. And if you haven't watched it, man, you need to get it. That's about Bethany Hamilton, a professional surfer who at the age of eight, uh, 13 had her entire arm bitten off by a shark. And yet she went on to become a professional surfer and win competitions. In this movie, they sing songs to God. It has her youth pastor in there. And all of this is showing that God makes it able for people to overcome things in life. And it even shows her going to Nickelodeon. She won the Child's Courage Award for the year. And there in front of Nickelodeon, she said, it's Jesus who gives me courage. And in this story, you know, she's missing her limb now. And she's coming to her youth pastor. And she says to her, she goes, I don't see good in this. All I can see is the pain. And her youth pastor reminds her of a lesson that she had preached, that when 
uh, she showed her close-ups of things just like like a walnut. She showed her a close-up. When, when, when the camera was so close, the walnut looked gross. You didn't understand what it was. But when the camera pulled away, you could see it was a walnut. And the youth pastor told her, when you're this close to it, you don't see how it works for good. You can't understand it. But God sees it from a heavenly perspective. And so if you can see it from God's perspective, you can see how it all works together. And I guarantee you, friend, no matter what tragedy from the Holocaust to losing lost loved ones to stubbing your toe, when we get to heaven, he said all things, we will see how they work together for good. We'll say, God, I don't know how you did it, but you took that situation and you made it good. You're awesome, God. That's why I worship you. God, I don't know how you brought this situation to be, but I see it now. You are so good. We will praise him because he is the master carpenter. He is the master potter. He takes the dirt and the mess of our life, and he makes it something beautiful. So many times we want life, especially in Christianity, to just be this ladder of success. I I grow up as a happy child, and I'm going to have a perfect high school life, and then I'm going to go to college, and then I'm going to get married, and then I'm going to have children, and then they're going to grow old and happy, and then I'm going to retire, and then I'm going to be with Jesus, just boop, 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 on my way to heaven. But sometimes life feels nothing like that. Sometimes we start off in pain, and then God moves us to another place. And then we get confused because people leave us that we thought would stick with us. And then we get excited about something, and then we see that something not to turn out what it's like. And we begin to watch God move our life around like connect the dots. We go from A to B to C to D, and we're so confused with what's going on. And then all of a sudden when it's done, we look at it and go, oh, that's a duck. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. And I guarantee you, my friends, one day we'll get to heaven. We'll see the entire perspective, and we'll say, God, now I understand all of this zigzagging, all of the things where I thought I was going backwards, I was really going forwards because you made my life beautiful. If you believe it, would you stand to your feet and give the God of this universe the greatest hand clap of praise you can. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Band, would you come, please? You see, in life's letdowns, you need to be lifted up. And Jesus promises you that he will lift you up. Did Jesus promise you that you would not face a storm in your life? No, as a matter of fact, he promised you quite the opposite. He said, in this world, you will have troubles. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I remember being at my nephew's funeral he died in Afghanistan was a marine and I remember being there and you know you're looking at the casket and and you don't know what you're going to say you know just goodbye you know and I remember just saying God I, I don't understand how young people die and God said but I make it beautiful I said God I don't see it 21 years old. There he is. It's over. He left his children to another another man. Now his wife is remarried. I mean, it's just, it's not fair. It's not fair. Why him? Not me. Why not, you know, why not somebody that's a criminal? Why, why him? And I believe God just gave me a taste. Just a taste of how he makes things beautiful. Because His master sergeant began to share about how he had been an honorable soldier 
you know, how he had fought bravely and all these wonderful things. And, you know, at one point I was just, you know, this guy probably doesn't know him very well. Maybe he's just doing his typical military thing. But as they began to load up his body into the casket, they did something I've never seen before. They put it into a horse-drawn carriage. And they walked it down Main Street. He was from a small town. Walked it down Main Street. And that master sergeant walked in front of that horse the entire way to the burial site. And when I was in my in the car with my mom and dad, they said he made a promise that he would not leave the casket until he was given a proper burial. So this master sergeant followed him all the way home, brought him to the funeral parlor, and walked him to his gravesite. And as that horse-drawn carriage was going down Main Street, I saw men that were old, children that were young, and they were holding American flags. And I felt just for a moment, I said, there's something good coming out of this. People are realizing what freedom costs. People are realizing that it costs a life. And I know when you and I are going through our pain and trouble, we, we don't understand. But you see, Jesus came to this earth so that you would never be alone, so that he could walk you through your pain. And he went even further than that master sergeant. He took our pain on Calvary's road. He understood what you and I would be facing today. And he said, I'm not leaving until it's over. I'm not leaving. No matter how hard it gets, I'm not leaving. Bible says that the angels of heaven are up there with Jesus right now and they worship him not because of how he created a world not because of how he made golden streets in heaven but because of how he's loved us the, angel, the angels watch how great our God has been for us and then he goes one step further. He says, you may go through life. It may be hard, but I'll be with you. But when you die, I bring you to me. And then when I come again, where I am, you will be with me also. A resurrected body forever and ever with the Lord Jesus Christ. Who can outdo our Jesus? It all works for good. So today, if you're let down, will you let God lift you up? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for bringing us here. Altar workers, would you come, please? I'm just going to pray for you with head bowed and eyes closed today. I don't want to embarrass anybody. This, if, you, if you don't feel comfortable, you can come up after we dismiss. But this is simply what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you. The worship band is going to lead us in a song. And those of you who want prayer today to be lifted up, these altar workers will find it in honor to pray for you. Father, I thank you for everybody here today. And Lord, I thank you that you brought us here, even in the midst of the storm. Lord, walk with us today. I pray as people are searching their hearts, being honest, Lord, if there's any place where they've just been let down and they're hurt today, God, share with them your love. Heal their broken heart. In the mighty name of Jesus, I'm going to pray for those of you here 
just so you'll find courage to come, Ben, would you start singing even now? Right now, Lord, give courage to those who need to come and receive prayer. There is no judgment. Let them come and receive your blessing of freedom, joy, in Jesus' name. If this is you, would you just come now? We're going to sing this song. Would you put up the words for those that don't know? We're just going to sing about his love, but if you need prayer, just come from wherever you are, and then we'll dismiss. Thank you. here to judge you. We just want to pray for you. We don't want you to go through this alone. The Bible says we're to mourn with those who mourn, to pray for those who are sad and sorrowful, to be uplifted and comforted. Don't leave out the same way you came. If you need to bring somebody with you, bring them forward, husbands, wives, friends. Let God restore the broken heart today. And for those of you who are saying, man, I'm good, I'm fine, God is good, would you just worship him today? Because you know if you're good, you've had to go through some stuff. Oh, let's just be grateful today, saints. Let's be grateful. Let's love him. Let's not be rebellious, spoiled children. Let's be thankful today for what we have, for what he's already done in us. He has been good to us. sing the chorus one more time than the verse. Come on, oh, how he loves us. And oh, Thank you, Lord. How he, he loves, loves us so. Thank you, Lord. Restore those oh, here today, God. Heal he broken hearts, oh God. Bring your comfort today, Jesus. So. Oh, God, lift up those who feel let down, God. And he you know, God. You know, God. Come on, we're taking our time today. Don't be in a hurry, saints. Even if you still need prayer, come on. Jesus. Jesus, we're going to sing this verse. As we do, if you still need prayer, come on. Jesus. Let's put up the words. Let's sing. He is jealous for me. And he is 
Yes, he is. He loves like a hurricane. And I am a tree. I am a tree. Bending beneath. Oh, thank you, Lord. And mercy. When all of a sudden. Come on, we're going to get these words up here for you, brother. Would you help us? I want us to sing it today. Don't blame yourself. Sing it over your life today. Just how beautiful you are. God loves us. Can we sing the verse just again? Come on. He is jealous. Yes, he is. Thank you, Lord. I am the tree. Mercy. When all of a sudden you see God's going to capture your heart today. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed. See, God eclipses our afflictions by His glory. Come on, let's sing it out now. Oh, how He loves us. And Come on, sing it over yourself today for worship. God wants you to believe that today. When you believe that, that's worship to him because he does love you. Oh, how he loves us. Those who are up here, keep praying. Those who are a little shy, we're going to hang out afterwards. Come on up if you want. Any prayer request, we'll meet you up here today. And let's dismiss in a good spirit knowing God is with us. So, Lord, we thank you for bringing us here today to show us storms are real. But, God, you're even more real. You can save us and bring us through, Father. God, we hold on to your word today. We won't blame ourselves, and we trust that you're with us, oh God. Bless us and our families, and help us to share this word with others who may need it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you bless the Lord today? Amen. We're going to keep worshiping. Today's one of those days. We're going to hang out for a while here. But God bless you. Have a wonderful week. See you at the life groups. Amen. Come on, sing it. How?